Welcome to the Voices in Japan podcast with Ben and Burke. On today's episode, we talk about Carlos Ghosn's escape from Japan. Mr. Ghosn used to be a very popular figure in Japan, especially in the early 2000s, for helping turn around the business of Nissan. In November of 2018, Mr. Ghosn was suddenly arrested upon landing in Japan, and charges were eventually brought against him for alleged financial misconduct. He claims that he has fled the injustice of the Japanese legal system and has been trying to shift the attention to what has been reported in overseas media as a plot by other executives at Nissan and the Japanese government to prevent an irreversible merger uh, between Renault and Nissan. The Japanese legal system has started to receive a lot of scrutiny as a result of this situation, and we talk about that on this episode. We recorded this episode on Skype, and we're going to actually put that video up on our YouTube channel, Voices in Japan. So if you'd like to see the video of us recording this episode and also check out our ugly mugs, then please visit our YouTube channel. We've also put up a new website, VoicesInJapan.com, so if you have some time, please go and check that out. Thank you for supporting the show, and now on to the episode. One, two, Been, man. been all right man just you ever obviously be a cold well it's not really a cold it was a flu obviously so yeah yeah I, your, I the flu. your voice your voice sounds a little bit uh i don't know croaky <laughs> yeah that, but that might be i don't know if that's from the uh from the flu or because i had to go out last night <laughs> <laughs> yeah whiskey, so i'm actually whiskey, whiskey voice <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Well, see, the thing is, so I might be coughing a little bit during this because, uh, A, I still have the residuals of the flu, uh, but B, yeah, I mean, I'm not coughing because of this, but uh, I have people visiting. It's been a really uh, busy start to the year, but I have some people visiting, so I had to go out with them uh, last night. Uh, didn't oh, stay nice. out too loud. Didn't, yeah, I didn't stay out too late or anything, but, uh, but yeah, it's been a pretty crazy start to the year. Had the uh, flu. Uh, have you ever had the flu before? Uh, maybe a long time ago. But I'm, I'm, I mean, I thought I had the flu, but I think it was just man flu. So I was just being a, a wuss. <laughs> I was just like stayed in bed for like two days and then it was gone. So I don't think it was flu. I think I just had a cold. You know what they say? Actually, I, I mean, I read about it a little bit because I had it. But they said that like they did the study where they injected people with the flu virus just to see what would happen. And like half of the people showed severe flu symptoms and like a portion of the people, though, showed zero symptoms at all. So it's like sometimes even when people catch the flu, a the way the, their body responds to it can be completely different. Like my wife is, thinks she's never caught the flu before, but now maybe she has caught it, I've realized, and she just doesn't oh, yeah. show symptoms. Well, no, she doesn't have it right now, I'm saying, but she, you know, she's probably caught it in the past up to this point, but she just never showed symptoms uh, before. Like some people just don't show the symptoms of the virus. What um, what strain did you have? I had uh, A, type A. So, yeah, like... Uh, which, is, which is pretty harsh, right, that one? Yeah, like what happened is, came back from the U.S., man, I had a really good trip to the U.S. over the break, talk a little bit about that later, but came back and then I got hit with jet lag really hard, so I was waking up like... 
every night of like uh after just like two or three hours of sleep so my body was just exhausted and then i started to get like cold symptoms but normally when i catch a cold like i have a runny nose or something for like i don't know five days but like the cold the runny nose went away like in one day and went straight to like started coughing and then also the next day like i got a high fever of like uh 38 or something and so i went to the hospital to get it checked out because it went up to 39 degrees the next day and i'm like sitting sitting there at the hospital i'm like i think i have the flu i need to get this checked out and they're like okay can you wait and i had to wait for like 30 minutes (laughs) (laughs) like sitting there like in pain suffering and then they're like okay you can see the doctor now and I went in and I saw the doctor and I'm like, I think this is the flu. And he's like, all right, let me check your throat. And he's like, okay, it might be the flu. We'll give you the flu test. Go sit outside. And then I had to like sit outside again for like 20 minutes. So I, I was almost at the hospital for like an hour before they actually did the flu test. Oh, my God. And then it came back like 30 minutes later and uh, they were like, yeah, it's the flu. But, yeah, so it was pretty bad. I Man, I had like all the symptoms, like high fever for like four or five days. I was I threw up a couple times had upset stomach, uh, and then, yeah, severe cough. So it's been a pretty miserable, miserable Man, that time. that sounds bad. When, when did you get better? Like a couple of days ago? Yeah, like the fever finally went away like three days ago. So I went back to work, and uh, but I'm still coughing. And my wife's parents actually caught the flu, and they said that uh, they, like, that was like two weeks ago when they caught it, and they're still coughing a little bit. So I think this year's flu virus is pretty severe. They were saying, but and you yeah. you had the flu shot, right? You were telling me. Yeah, I got the, the flu shot. shot. <laughs> that was completely a waste of money, man. I mean, <laughs> like it's required in our company. And yeah, that was the thing of the company. That at first they were like, "Didn't you get the flu shot?" They were kind of like doubting that I actually got it, but we have to turn in our receipt to the company to show that we got it and we actually get a little bit of money back from the company they support like the cost of the the shot but uh yeah so i but i did get the shot and and then everyone's like yeah but that's the thing like even if you get the shot it uh, may or may not build up an immunity but also like uh it might just reduce the severity of the symptoms so people are like oh you should be happy that you got this shot because it wasn't that bad i was like dude <laughs> it was bad man so So yeah, how's how's your new year, man? How's how's back home? Had a good yeah, time. man, that was good. Like that was kind of short. Flew by. Our family met up in San Diego, and uh, been to California before a few times. Lived there for a while actually, but never been to San Diego. That was pretty fun. Like uh, we went to the safari one day, which was good because not really too big on zoos, but at least the San Diego safari area is like a huge, huge open area for the, most of the animals. Uh, we went to the beach a couple of days. Like it was kind of cold, but it was uh, warm enough to get in the water a bit, and warm enough for the kids to play on the beach. Went to restaurants and stuff. Went to a small amusement park, Beaumont Park, it's called, and stuff. But uh, man, it was good to see family. First time for my uh, kid to see some of uh, her relatives and cousins and stuff. So everyone was excited about that, and we did like the big countdown and stuff. But you were in Japan for New Year's, right? Yeah, yeah. I just did the usual. You know, sitting in front of TV, drinking a lot, eating a lot, watched the the rising fights, which were pretty disappointing this year, I think. Oh, really? Um, yeah, just the refereeing was really bad, some bad stoppages, and not really any big names. I think the the best fights were the the female fights. They were 
bit bit more scrappy. Um, I apart remember from you that, saying that last year too. You kind of always like those female fights. <laughs> <man. laughs> yeah, then they just choose like a couple of hot girls and then they just go at it. So it's a bit yeah. more entertaining, even though the skill level is usually quite low. But yeah, but yeah. Apart from that, uh, went snowboarding on the second January second. Um, that was awesome, man. Went to Rizitsu. Um That was like, yeah, waste thigh deep powder. So they had um, about a meter of snowfall within a week, and me and my mate we got like the end of that so it was almost one of those times when there's too much snow but luckily it wasn't like it was kind of fast enough so we wouldn't get stuck um yeah but that, that was pretty much my my new year pretty pretty slow like there's no countdown in japan it's just as soon as the the chimes hit they just ring the bell right in the in the shrine so we had that on tv and then ate some soba the traditional soba and uh and that was it, man. Yeah, it was nice. Nice and relaxing. Kind of kind of way I like it these days. Getting, getting old, I guess. Have you uh, have you been out a lot this year? Like, I finally brought back... I think it's actually back there in the corner. I brought my board back. New board and everything. Right, yeah. Is that it there? Yeah, it's in the bag there. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's actually still in the plastic, you know? <laughs> I've, been, I've been sick... You know, I got sick and then just busy. So, and it's almost already coming up to the end of January now. So, and I still haven't even been out once this year. Haven't had a chance to get on the new board yet. So, got to get out there for sure. But I'm, I'm, but the conditions are good. No, I don't. I don't think you're missing much. I, don't, really? I really don't. Like the day I went was, uh, we we were lucky. But ever since then, the snow's kind of slowed down. But I think it's going to come in February. You know, we're in kind of mid January now. But February will probably be the time time it will start really dumping down. So yeah, you got I think you got another month month and a half maybe. So February March is when is when it will really come. But it's been a really bad season for snow this year. I went to I went to snowboarding last uh, last weekend actually last Saturday. Uh, went to one of the local mountains and normally they have like a lot more snow than the other resorts. But even they were needing more snow. So you couldn't really go off course. There was a lot of, you know, holes where there was, you know, grass and dirt. You could see that. Really? Um, some creeks. You could still see some creeks. Whereas normally by now, all that's covered up and you can just like plow through that. So, yeah, I didn't do, I didn't do any off, off course riding at, at that place. Wow. So, yeah, 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 you're right. You're right, mate. You don't have to, you're not missing too much. <laughs> yeah but unfortunately like these people you know i was out with last night they're visiting uh, i knew some other people that are visiting over the new year while i was in the u.s and stuff and uh i mean everybody comes to hokkaido for the legendary snow and the powder but yeah most of the people have been coming i mean they've been saying it's good because it's i think it's still better than places in the u.s and whatnot but uh but i just feel bad because they haven't really seen like what hokkaido can be like and i hope I hope it uh, does get like it normally is, like next month. And I hope this isn't like the beginning of like a stretch of years where it's gonna just continue to get worse or something, you know? Yeah, because so. last last year was pretty bad too. It's worse this year, but last year was not so great either. Like it came it came late. It did come in the end, but also you know end of January, beginning of February. How long are your how long are your friends here for? Uh, they were here for a week, so they're actually leaving today. But uh, uh, I got another group of friends coming in uh, beginning of uh, February, so hopefully they'll be here right at the perfect time for the snow. Nice, and then you can get your board out of the plastic wrapping. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, hopefully I'll get out before them, but we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, man, the new year is getting off started, man. I'm pretty bad that I got sick to start it off because, like, I was, I was like, man, new year, new decade, like, uh, kind of, it's gonna be like the year of no BS for me, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm planning to make some big changes, like, you know, because I was thinking about it. Yeah, well, you know, like people who come to Japan and they study Japanese and they try to get to become part of the culture. For me, I was like kind of like method acting approach a little bit. I was like, I'm going to just kind of be as Japanese as possible and see if that like helps me understand like the language and the culture better, you know. And then like I think that just kind of kept building, kept building and and like over the past year I've just been thinking about things and I'm like man I'm not really the same person like I was I think I, when I'm out with friends and stuff I am but just kind of in Japanese culture or when I'm out in society I think I'm still pretty reserved cuz I'm trying to like you know be as Japanese as possible at certain times you know and I'm like I'm just not going to do that anymore man. I'm just going <laughs> to no more BS man just going to be like who normally am and everything and straightforward yeah, and just yeah, like holding back. Yeah, like don't even worry about trying to be Japanese and upsetting the Wa, man. If the Wa gets upset, let it get upset, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. Have you have so, you started that? Have you started doing that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually yeah, a little you, bit I have. Use resolution. Yeah, but I mean actually to be I have a little bit and uh yeah, there's gonna be some big changes coming up. I think uh, can't talk about right now, but uh, that's all gonna be part of it as well, man. Yeah, like uh, new things getting going, new things that we're trying to do with the podcast, like this, yeah. the uh, the Skype. This is our first time doing it. I think it's gonna take a little bit of time for us to get used to it. Yeah, put it on to YouTube. Hopefully, uh, spread spread the word about our our podcast. It's got a new website, everyone. Voicesinjapan.com. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, check that one out. That that went live in January sometime. I had, I had some right. good comments, some good feedback about the the website actually. They really liked that photo that that's on the website that uh, that our friend Matt took. Um, yeah, very artistic. So anyone wants some photography, yeah, hit up Matt Holloway. Yep. Yeah, that was good on you, man. You kind of you've put that together so far, the way it looks and everything. And then and uh, I think we can expand, put some other pages on there to to help uh share some more things that people might want to see but uh yeah i also gotta say man thanks to you and thanks to yumi for stepping up oh last great week's episode. episode yeah yeah i mean uh, yeah, she came through for that our first explicit episode it was a bit of a pain trying to get that the e-tag you know the yeah. explicit tag yeah, yeah so i was going as, back and forth like just trying to get it up there but it finally got there in the end Oh, is it? Is yeah. it there now? Okay. Yes, yeah, I saw, I saw the communications you were having with the people there trying to get that up there and stuff. So it's good that that finally got figured out. Yeah, the first explicit episode. Uh, so yeah, there'll be some other things that hopefully we'll uh, be putting out there this year over the next month or two. So we're a little bit late to talking about today's episode just because we were going to talk about out. it earlier. Doing yeah, I guess this is, the, this is the first time I've seen you this year, I think. So it's a happy new year. <laughs> yeah, happy new year to you too. And uh, yeah, it's a happy new year to you too. And, and uh, 
yeah, and we're not actually seeing each other it's, uh, in Skype. But yeah, I was thinking about that too. And actually, this is the first time for us to record in quite a while too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because well, you've me. been away, yeah. you've been sick. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. We, we, so, we got there though. We got there in the end. Yeah, and jump back into it, man. We had a full year last year, forty something episodes or something nonstop. So that was a that was a good year, I think. First a maiden year that we Definitely. were able to go through. Yeah, it was good, good fun as well recording. So should we just bring this up here? This uh, today's topic. Yeah, let's get into it. What I is mean, Gone? about Gone, right? Or is it Gone? How do you how do you pronounce his name? I, I used to call him Gosson. Yeah, I'm hearing more more people say Gone now. But uh, yeah, so big news. Gone. Actually, when I was in the U.S., the the news came out that he had uh, he had uh, escaped. Uh, as he put it, escaped injustice. He's put, he's had a few uh, pretty interesting quotes for this whole thing. Of course, is one that he's been saying the most is that uh, he did not, uh, what did he say? I have not fled justice. I have escaped injustice and political persecution. So he's been putting out a couple of uh, interesting quotes there. But yeah, when I was in the U.S., the news came out that he uh, all of a sudden sh- showed up in uh, Lebanon and everyone's like, what? You're not in Japan anymore? Yeah. So we kind of uh, took off and everything. So, yeah, well, we can talk about a bunch of stuff, the background and everything. But let me ask you, man, when was the first time you remember hearing about Carlos Ghosn? Was it the very the first time? Yeah. Uh, probably about a, maybe about a year ago when he okay. first kind of got arrested for the first time. And that made like pretty big news. That was like front headline news of most of the newspapers but I, I i didn't really look into it back then like i just heard he got arrested for uh hiding certain data or personal financial information like he was not exactly stealing money from the company but he was accused of hiding like his true salary and compensation so that was why he was arrested um yeah that's 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 what i knew and then i kind of stopped following after that before before this whole thing so started though, I mean you had obviously heard about him because he's a bit of a he was a bit of a legend in Japan. I think the first time I heard about him was I mean because I came to Japan in 2002 and I was teaching at that uh, language school and like one of the teachers walked in one day with this book that was written by Carlos Ghosn and she's just like oh you gotta read this book you gotta read this book and I looked at the book and it was like Japanese cover and there's like a picture of Mr. Ghosn I was like man the only thing I understand about what's on that is like a picture of that dude mr gone but yeah that was like in 2002 and that was like when he was at the height of his his fame and popularity because he had come in and and turned around nissan and that was at, at that point like he was putting out books about management uh i think they were that was also the same time when they were putting out anime and uh, manga about mr gone like wow. he had reached that legend status yeah and everyone was saying like oh he's a genius you know and I'll, and, I'll be uh, honest. I didn't. Uh, I didn't know much about going before a year ago. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm I don't really follow uh, Japanese business so much. So I guess that's why I didn't really hear about it much. And I don't know. My my students weren't very interested in kind of stuff like that. Yeah, and even, even my friends didn't really talk about going until probably until now. Actually, yeah, was the is the the most i've heard about him like through friends and articles you know friends posting stuff on social media but before a year ago yeah i didn't i didn't know anything about him pretty much 
I wasn't too interested. I mean, I knew he was like had that really good status for being good business mind and everything, but I mean, I wasn't too interested in him. But after this whole case started, I, I've been pretty interested in following it pretty closely from the beginning because right when he got arrested, you know, uh, I was actually uh, in a meeting with some important people from overseas. And, and at first, a reaction when hearing, you know, about the allegations against him, they're kind of like, so what exactly did he do wrong? Because, <laughs> you know, the biggest one that they're talking about is that he's, uh, and it depends on who you, which side you take, like the Gone side or the Nissan side, but the biggest one that they're obviously, uh, the biggest allegation against him is that uh, he did not report income uh, for a period of like eight years or something, or a total of $80 million in the uh, financial statements for Nissan. And then also the that he's been using Nissan money for some of his own personal uh, projects or uh, things that uh, the company had approved. The company that they created in the Netherlands that was supposed to be investing in like new businesses and stuff, but it was in fact just uh, paying for all of his homes and in France and Brazil and in Beirut and everything. And so they were saying he was misusing money. But again, it just depends on which side you take. Like if you listen to Mr. Gone, obviously, then he uh, he says everybody knew about what he was doing. Uh, you know, Nissan just did not want to uh, get taken over or did not want to cede too much control to France and to uh, to Renault. And, of course, Nissan is just saying that, you know, he's a criminal and he's been doing all these uh, wrong things and stuff. So why don't we first talk about what what because there's that theory, right? There's that theory of why he got arrested, what you, you just kind of broke into just now, that even though he got arrested for financial, was it financial abuse or something? Conduct, he. Yeah. Yeah, he he denies all those charges, though. And that's what he's kind of fled for, because he doesn't feel like he's getting a fair trial. But um, but yeah, apparently there's the theory that Nissan don't want him in charge anymore because he was planning a takeover for, for Renault to take over. And Nissan didn't want that. So because of that, they brought up these charges to get him off or get him out. And that is one theory. And yeah, so that's kind of where it started from, why he was arrested. And yeah. then and then he he's he's kind of been in and out of uh, detention for the past year, I guess, about the past year. So he got set out on bail, um, maybe like four times or something, three or four times. But yeah, during those times, he, he wasn't allowed a lawyer during those interrogation processes. Um, he wasn't allowed to see his wife. I think he could only speak to his wife twice in in those times and the last time was on christmas eve the last christmas eve just before he escaped so his uh yeah so his reasoning for for leaving leaving japan is that he didn't feel like he was getting like treated correctly or or getting you know um an appropriate uh trial well because you know in in japan the prosecution rate is 99 percent so he was worried that he didn't, he wouldn't get a fair trial, and that is the main reason why he left Japan. And and I think it's, I'm not sure, but I think it's probably the first time that someone who has been arrested and has been put under detention, it's the first time that someone's actually escaped, left Japan, and he's basically escaped justice or fled from justice 
in Japan. Injustice. Mm-hmm. Injustice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I've been kind of fascinated from this about this case from the beginning is because in all of the overseas media, Wall Street Journal, Business Insider, Washington Post, from the beginning, they've kind of been putting out all these stories about how it was very clear that Nissan was trying to avoid uh, the complete merger with Renault. And there's been very, very detailed stories about this, about how Nissan was fully uh, knowledgeable that uh, these plans were being put into place under some pressure by the French government. Of course, the French government owns 15% of Renault. Renault owns like, what, 43.5% or 43.4% of Nissan, but Nissan only owns... 15% of Renault and they don't have voting rights. So, I mean, everybody knows that Nissan uh, or the Renault has always had a lot more control of Nissan and Nissan has not liked that. But again, that was all structured during the time when Nissan was being saved basically by Gone. And they were they had started working with the government, Nissan did, to try to uh, avoid this all-out merger that, uh, that Renault uh, had been pushing for a long time. And Mr. Gone had normally played the role of a uh, kind of peacemaker between all the different parties. And uh, when it was becoming clear that uh, this was going to happen, then they started this investigation into different things about Mr. Gohan trying to find out uh, some dirt on him. And, and they started finding out many different things that he had done wrong. But his whole take on the story is that everybody knew uh, what he was doing wrong, that he was doing the whole time. You know, this thing about his... Uh, not reporting his compensation. That all started because in 2010 there was a new law that was passed in Japan saying that uh, they, uh, because of the financial crisis, that they wanted uh, companies that were listed on the stock exchange to uh, report the salaries of their top executives. And Mr. Gone at that point was worried about there was going to be backlash about his high salary, which actually wasn't very high in world standards, but definitely very high for Japanese standards. And uh, he says, actually, it was Nissan who proposed that they start to uh, set up the system of deferring a lot of his compensation until after retirement. But he's saying that nothing was actually ever uh, signed on or or decided for good. So there was actually no wrongdoing that was done there. The interesting thing is is he's actually paid – Nissan and Carlos Ghosn have both paid uh, fines to the Security and Exchange Commission, SEC, in the United States – uh, for this, for these charges of underreporting his income or so not paid, properly reporting, paid fines basically. For yeah, for like, what he's done already. Yeah, like, and they haven't really talked about. I mean, so basically, Nissan and uh, and Carlos Ghosn and actually one other gentleman, Greg Kelly, they have all paid fines uh, with the uh, agreement that there would be no admitting or denying of the allegations. But Nissan paid 15 million for the civil penalty. Ghosn paid one million. And Kelly took, uh, or Kelly paid one hundred thousand uh, dollars, and this was uh, back in September last year. So it's basically like, I mean, they have admitted that they they did this thing wrong, you know. But uh, the criminal case in Japan that has no bearing on the criminal case in Japan. So in the criminal case, he's still denying that he did anything wrong. But you got to say like, well, then why did you pay the civil penalty to the SEC? So yeah. I don't know. That's kind of one strange part about it, but. Or I was mentioning how abs- absurd this the the reaction of the reaction that this case is getting, considering that uh, Gone or Gone has only not really committed a huge crime. But I mean, for most people, especially the general public, 
no one's really been affected. So the only really the only people that have really been affected are the, the shareholders and the stockholders because it's uh, the money from the company that is apparently he has been siphoning somewhere else or he's been uh, mislabeling as his uh, compensation. But general public, yeah, he, he hasn't hurt anyone. He hasn't killed anyone. He's not a terrorist. So which is, you know, if you compare it to the UK, in the UK, the only people that can be held without charge for 14 days is a terrorist in the UK. And even that is that is kind of controversial in, in Britain. And in Japan, I don't know, maybe we should go into um, what the justice system is like in Japan for when someone commits a crime. Yeah, well, I mean, they call it a hostage justice system, uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, because uh, there is this uh, method where they, the authorities can just continue to rearrest a person and detain them for, what is it, 20 days, 21 days or something? Hold them for each, 21 days, yeah. Yeah, each time they're arrested. And this kept happening to Gone. He kept getting rearrested each time that uh, period was, uh, was uh, coming to an end. And uh, on top of that, you can be uh, detained and interrogated for many hours on on end uh, during a day without a lawyer being present. Uh, so this is obviously not something that is same as the standards in other countries. Um, the biggest thing, did you see this uh, quote by the justice minister, or not quote, but a tweet that she sent out? No. Her name is uh, Masako Mori, so Mori-chan. She sent out a tweet, I think it was like right after the uh, he gave his uh, press conference in Beirut. And uh, she sent out this tweet saying that Mr. Gohan should come to Japan to to prove his innocence. And everyone was like, prove his innocence? Like normally, you know, an innocent is a person is presumed innocent until proven guilty. But people say, yeah, in Japan, you're presumed uh, guilty until proven innocent. And so she sent out this tweet that said that. And then she backtracked it on the next day. She deleted it as quickly as possible and tried to uh, send out another tweet saying that he need, he should come to Japan to uh, assert his innocence, not prove his innocence. <laughs> but uh, everybody had already taken note of her tweet, and, and she took a lot of heat for that. But yeah, this whole the justice system in Japan, not only that, there's been a lot of uh, things like the Rising Wasabi keeps putting out, obviously, a lot of great articles about this whole Gon situation. But they've put out a lot of examples of other executives in Japanese companies who have done just as bad as what's being brought up here. Well, slightly different uh, types of crimes. But, for example, like the nuclear companies uh, receiving bribes from local governments or even recently Japan Post uh, some executives had to quit the company because Japan Post was uh, selling insurance policies, like 13,000 insurance policies that were putting people in worse situation or even charging them double for insurance. And uh, you want to talk about, like, uh, abusing the public's trust. And the only thing that happened is, uh, like, three executives of Japan Post had to resign, and they're not allowed to... Uh, to sell insurance for like three months or something. So, but nobody's being kept in jail for 100 days. Nobody's being interrogated on end without a lawyer present. You know, all these uh, Japanese executives are not receiving the same treatment that Gon did. And even in Nissan themselves, like there weren't that many Japanese executives that were taking any heat for all this whole situation, anyways. I think a, a few people have since been fired, but immediately it was just Gon and Greg Kelly. Uh, an American who is his, I guess, main assistant, but n no Japanese executives or anyone is actually, uh, you know, 
under any of the same type of uh, abuse and, and trouble that Gone was. So Yeah, and apparently uh, Kelly, Greg Kelly, he's basically taking all the heat from because he's still in Japan yeah. and he has to face up to everything now, now that Gones kind of left him and, you know, by himself to defend for himself, which kind of sucks for him because now they're probably going to get even more strict on him now that Gone has fled. Um, yeah. They're probably not going to be so lenient with Bale for him because they'll probably think that he could, he could flee too. And yeah, um, yeah sorry. I was gonna, I was gonna say like one thing I did notice on TV because I was watching some Japanese TV as this whole thing was uh, unfolding, and obviously in Japan, in Japanese media, uh, they've been really uh, bad mouthing uh, uh, Mr. Gone. They've been, uh, he's been calling it like character assassination basically. But um, and in fact, he didn't let any Japanese media in his, uh, or only a few. Uh, representatives from Japanese media in his press conference because he felt like it wasn't... Do you think that, oh, do you so think that was seeing, a mistake like for him to do that, to not let the Japanese media in? Because maybe he should have, you know, at least so he show, so he could share his side to the Japanese media. Because well, no one so, has heard his side, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Yeah, in a sense, that way I think it is. But I completely understand where he's coming from. Like, he doesn't feel like they're going to give him fair coverage anyways. Like, why give them any ammunition to to you know do something wrong with it but like on talk shows and stuff on tv there were they'd have like lawyers on and the first show i saw actually this was before going gave his press conference but like the first comment that was made is like they were asking this lawyer like oh what do you think about the whole going situation he was like oh well hell must have been very hot basically <laughs> meaning you know that's why going like took off from the country you know yeah uh, he's yeah saying that he's, he's in hell because you know he, he committed these crimes and stuff and so everyone is still pretty much bad mouthing going but the one thing they all are recognizing is that uh, the Japanese uh, legal system is getting a lot of attention for its unfairness and uh, maybe some things that aren't up to uh, standards of the United Nations like they're supposed to be. So, Yeah, so this is probably a good thing because it puts the justice system definitely <clears throat> under a spotlight now and, you know, the, the international community are talking about it, whereas before, you know, no one was really talking about it. But now people realize how serious it is in Japan and, you know, like the, the lack of human rights that, you know, um, suspects are entitled to. So like you're saying, the UN, what did they say? They said something, um, yeah, the Human Rights Committee has called, uh, called on Japan to reform its current system. And there have been, a, there was a, a petition in 2019 in April that uh, 1,000 lawyers and scholars are demanding an end to the system, and these are Japanese lawyers and scholars too. So, it's, uh, because you know, it's like the the system is uh, only the prosecutors tend to have a lot of power. So even defense attorneys, they're not even allowed to see their clients when they've been detained or they're being uh, scrutinized and uh, what's what's the word? They're being interrogated. Interrogated. Yes, yeah. so they're not allowed to have a lawyer present. So, yeah, defense lawyers don't really have a chance because the conviction rate is so high and prosecutors, they basically rule the, rule the justice system. So it's nice to see that hopefully something will get done about it. But apparently, um, because of Gon's case, do you remember um, the Mount Gox founder? Do you remember Mount Gox? He, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The cryptocurrency. Right. So that founder, um, Mark Carpels, so he... He, after the whole cryptocurrency, it was it was like the biggest crypto exchange in 2014, and it went it went bankrupt. 
and apparently you know people saying he he stole the money or the money's missing because there's still 650,000 bitcoin that have never been found and that oh, case is kind of still ongoing yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this mark this mark carpels has basically denied you know all wrongdoing so he was um so he was like fighting the courts you know and and eventually he got found guilty um and got a suspended sentence of two and a half years but before gone left japan he was meeting with this mark carpels guy oh, because, really? because they were trying to meet and they were trying to work together and you know to to fix the system so this mark guy he's really disappointed that gone left like fled the country because now he doesn't have anything to to kind of help him with you know fighting fighting for for justice basically that's that's what their plan was intentionally so he didn't know that gone was going to flee and they were having meetings before like when he was on bail um about how to kind of rectify the system or you know solve some of the justice problems that was happening in japan and he sees it as like an opportunity lost so he's really disappointed that that gone fled and he think if he stayed then he might have with his status and um, those two together maybe they would have a chance of making some kind of reform but obviously gone probably didn't believe that he had a chance yeah and well that's what he, he was saying he was fine. Yeah, I mean, that was one of his biggest things is he never felt like he was going to get a fair trial. Uh, they kept del delaying his trial. They would never they didn't have a start date. And the final straw was on Christmas Day or whatever, when he found out that uh, they were going to delay the start date uh, for the trial for his second charge. And so like going is he made it very dramatic and said he felt like he was just going to die in Japan uh, waiting for this whole thing to get resolved. You know, let's just say how ridiculous it is, number one, that that's a 99.4% uh, conviction rate. Like, something that is that perfect from the beginning. Like, can you trust it? Yeah, you know, Something that yeah. claims to be basically perfect. Uh, nothing is that perfect. You know, that's suspect right there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and, and there have been other cases, um, you know, famous cases. There was one in 2014. Um, did you hear about this one? It, she, was, um, she was known as the vagina artist. So, did you hear about that? It kind of so, rings a bell, but I, I don't remember anything. Yeah, yeah. So, so the Japanese that? lady called uh, Megumi Igarashi, and she was arrested or detained for three weeks for distributing obscene material because what she did, she was an artist, and she made uh, digital scans of her own genitals. Oh yeah, she, I did hear about she would that. make them into like key fobs, and she made like a a, a canoe. And then so, so she was canoeing down like rivers and stuff in this, you know, this canoe that was like looked like her vagina, basically. So she got dubbed. Uh, <laughs> so she got dubbed a uh, vagina artist. And she was, yeah, she was detained for three weeks. And um, and, you know, if you did that in other countries, Western countries, you, you probably wouldn't get arrested for three weeks. Yeah. And then there was another guy in uh, 2010, an, an MP, Tomohiro Ishikawa. So he was arrested for. Uh, for taking bribes um but he he denied he denied all his charges so he was held for three weeks and he said that every day he was interrogated for 12 hours um without a lawyer um and they and they he and he said they basically they forced him to sign a confession um something that he never even said 
So they'd already prepared this written document and they were just saying, you have to sign this, you have to sign this. And they were basically like just trying to break him down. Um, and some some of the prosecutors were like crying and stuff saying, oh, you have to sign this, you know. And yeah, and, and he just refused. But eventually um, he he got he had to plead guilty of a, a more of a minor crime. But he ended up pleading guilty for something just because otherwise they wouldn't have let him go. Yeah, Gong was mentioning that, and we've had other people talk about that too. John was talking about that on the podcast. He came on, uh, how safe is Japan really, or is Japan really safe? Is Japan really uh, that safe, yeah. Really that safe, yeah. Where they basically prepare the uh, confession for you, and as Gong was saying, uh, they just kept telling him, it's only going to get worse, it's only going to get worse unless you confess to this. And he's like, why would I confess? I don't believe I'm guilty. But they basically just try to coerce the people into confession. And, and I mean, is that what an, the purpose of an interrogation should be? I mean, I mean, that probably happens in all countries to a certain extent, but not without a lawyer present, not in this like 12 hours of interrogation, sometimes right. in the middle of the night or whatever, being put in solitary confinement just for some type of, you know, just to get a confession, no matter how small the crime may be, you know. Right, right. Should we uh, should we talk about his escape? Because his escape is like just so dramatic. It's like it could definitely be made into a Hollywood movie in the future. It's got yeah. You know what I mean, it's got like James Cameron written all over it. I think for sure, for sure. I mean, well, like, let's just we'll go ahead. What were you? What did you want to say? I heard the people that organized his escape. He'd been contacting them probably for about a year or so, or maybe, maybe half a year. Yeah, yeah, maybe half a year. And um, the leader of this team that. Uh, helped him escape was a an ex US Army Green Beret. He was a Michael Halo Taylor. jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was his name. And he started his own private company. Like, um, what they do? They like rescue kidnappers um, or kid people that have been kidnapped. They protect executives in dangerous areas. He's worked with the DEA. He's worked undercover to investigate Lebanese drug traffickers. So he has a lot of experience. And he was the the head honcho for the team that was planning to you know get gone out of japan yeah he has a bit of a shady background himself he's been convicted of some crimes uh i think it was back in 2012 his uh case his biggest case started i think he's been connected to a few different crimes but the one the biggest one was for bid rigging uh to earn contracts uh for something up to like 50 million dollars in afghanistan or something so Uh but he said during that case uh you know he had been kind of held uh, what he felt in a similar hostage justice situation uh, in the Utah prison system, kind of waiting for things to actually get moving on his case, and it dragged on for like a year. So he was saying that he was sympathetic of Mr. Gon's situation, and he's also married to a Lebanese woman apparently too. Uh, wow. So there might be some connection there as well. But yeah, he was the main guy uh, in charge of this whole uh, dramatic escape. Which started a again something just ridiculous because of how lax security was on uh, Mr. Gone's house or, or not security but just surveillance. There was like only cameras at the entrance of his residence in Rapongi that he was renting uh, while he was out on bail, which he was finally able to uh, get uh, for paying a total of like fourteen million dollars or something. But anyways, there was only one camera there. And they were only required to turn in the footage from that one camera uh, once a month on the 15th <laughs> of the next month. 
So like they were, he was barely being surveyed, and he was free to travel domestically. Yeah, uh, which was another reason they said that he was able to get out. But yeah, what information do you have about the, his actual getting out? So what happened? Yeah, so that, and then they, um, so then they chartered a plane, and on that, and then using their plane, they first, uh, they first kind of checked out which airports and how how lax the security was, like how how easy it was to get through customs and X-rays. So they they ended up going through. Was it? Was it Kansai Airport? Kansai International, but the kind of the private, uh, the private terminal for like uh, private jets and stuff, not the yeah. main terminal where regular yeah. passengers go. But right, and and then they realized that going through X-ray, there were certain size, uh, certain size boxes or certain size things that wouldn't get X-rayed. So which is why they ended up. Uh, putting gone in these huge boxes that usually carry musical instruments for like rock bands like amps and stuff like that and so they they put him in one of those did, I, I read some that they wrapped him up in some kind of i don't know like tape or something so he wouldn't be able to get detected no i don't know if uh, that, that might have been just somebody like was ju- or something. no i think that was yeah i think somebody i think that was one of the satirical articles that got put out there <laughs> yeah, right. but, but there has been some confusion about that whole music box thing because some people were first reporting that uh this like fake band had gone to his residence in Roppongi to kind of give like a christmas concert and that he was smuggled out of the house in the music box but he actually walked out the front door apparently and what they're reporting the latest uh, because again uh, there wasn't much surveillance and he was able to do this and he did this quite often and they said that security did not uh, follow him whenever he would go into a hotel so he went into the grand hyatt in tokyo and uh, from there was able to make it to Shinagawa Station, then took the bullet train uh, to Osaka, where he met up with uh, those gentlemen. I think there were two, Michael Taylor and somebody else. And then that's where the process started of yeah. getting him into the box and going through the security and everything. Yeah, so I think getting to the airport, he, he didn't, he didn't, it wasn't very difficult. He just, he was just wearing like a regular surgical face mask that most Japanese people wear. So I think if he, if he was on any kind of public transport, no one would have noticed who he was anyway. Yeah, and they said that he had he had actually traveled to Kyoto on the same bullet train before with his daughter on a trip that he was about to go on. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I guess I probably would have noticed him if I saw him walking around, especially in in Sapporo, I guess. But in Tokyo, maybe I wouldn't have noticed him. But if he was wearing a face mask, then yeah, definitely not. But he said, I mean, he said during his press conference, uh, even when he would go out in the city, like people would see him all the time and everybody was still really friendly with him. I mean, he kind of used this during his press conference to uh, kind of show that, uh, A, that he still has really good feelings towards Japan and that, B, there's only a a set few people who are actually going after him, which are the people in the government or people that were affiliated with Nissan. And he's saying, he's trying to say, like, the general public, there were a lot of people that were supporting him, apologizing to him for the whole thing that he was going through. Saying, gambatte kudasai, right? Yeah, so, so, yeah, I mean, he could have easily made that trip to Kansai, maybe without too much trouble, even if he was noticed, yeah. You were saying when you were back at home in America, like, what what was the media like reporting on it? Were they, like, kind of pro- with what Gon did or were they against what he did? Because it seems like the Japanese media is obviously, they, you know, they're against him. They're like, oh, he's he's a terrible guy. He shouldn't have left. He shouldn't have fled. He should have stayed and defended himself. 
but I don't know what what the media was like in America was like he well, sympathizing be- with it. Yeah, well, from the beginning, not just uh, when I've been in back in the U.S., but the international media. Again, I've been kind of following this case closely, but. I mean, everyone is saying that, you know, if, bringing up the word white collar crime and everything, because if he is under reporting his income, but the, this whole thing with his income, these are things that uh, executives do all the time, deferred payment until they retire. So it's nothing new. And uh, using subsidiary companies to buy, uh, you know, properties or whatever, I mean, that's all questionable. Like, should you use uh, shareholder money to do that? But it's, I mean, people are kind of... It, companies are buying uh, residences or paying for residences for people all the time, so it's nothing right, too it's strange, you know. It's like a common kind of a common practice, even though it's not like legit in in a way. Yeah. So everybody, uh, most media at that point, at the end of the year, has just been focusing on the fact that he made this dramatic escape and stuff. And I mean, everyone's kind of calling him the world's most famous fugitive and and mm-hmm. things like this. But I mean, I think there's in internationally, there's actually more attention on how ridiculous his treatment was uh, when he was in detention. And uh, just the fact that Japan was going to get embarrassed by this whole thing to begin with. And again, from the beginning, they've been reporting that Nissan orchestrated this whole thing to avoid the complete merger with Renault. And mm. uh, so, I mean, nobody's been – I mean, I have seen people criticizing going for what he did. My mom's actually somebody who said, like, she couldn't stand seeing his face and stuff. Um, so <laughs> our people overseas that, you know, don't so, have good feelings about so, it. So your, your mom thinks that he shouldn't have escaped. He should have stayed. Yeah, like even, even though even though he he was you know he committed a crime, but she thinks he shouldn't have fled. Yeah, well, I mean, she thinks that he's a criminal, and so he should face the music. Uh, we kind of started getting a little bit of an argument about it, and my dad was like, oh, "I'm going to bed. I don't want to hear this." <laughs> <laughs> but and then I was like, I think about it. I was like, "Man, why is I sitting there trying to go after my mom about this?" But I mean. <laughs> You know, because we're on like family vacation and stuff. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, but she, maybe she's been actually reading more Japanese media as well. You know, mm. but I mean, for her, she just feels like somebody's guilty. They should obviously uh, go through a trial. But his whole thing is he's willing to go through a trial. He just doesn't think he was going to get the uh, fair trial in Japan. And now yeah. that's why he's saying he'll he'll he's willing to do it in Lebanon or anywhere else. But but he's actually that's another interesting thing. He's kind of in trouble in Lebanon as well. Um, I mean, they're not going to extradite him at this point for anything related to this whole Nissan case. But, you know, as, as during his time as CEO of Renault, he traveled to Israel and uh, technically Lebanon and Israel are, are at war. So it's actually a crime for Lebanese citizens to travel to Israel. And so there were some prosecutors in Lebanon that actually have brought a case against him, uh, which comes with jail time if he's actually committed, uh, convicted for it. Um, but other people are saying that that's just being brought up to kind of paint this picture that he's not, he shouldn't feel too safe in Lebanon, but apparently he, the, he does feel pretty safe there, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's his, that's where he was born, wasn't it? Like Lebanon, so that's I mean, hometown where he grew yeah, up. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a hero there. They've put him on mm. a stamp actually a few, a oh, couple wow. years ago. Uh, but I mean, Lebanon has a lot of political problems and, and, uh, there's a lot of ill feeling towards the elite. And uh, he's definitely considered some of the elite. So maybe in the general populace, he might not be that pop. He might not be that famous and supported. But I mean, he's definitely more supported than he is in Japan. So mm, yeah, I I recently um, found this article in uh, the Japan Times um, talking about what general people in Japan feel about the 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 case. And um, this was 
uh, taken in March. So when when he was released in March, gone, um, the TV Asahi took a poll and 54% agreed that it was necessary to keep him in prison for almost four months for, for his charges. And only 25% uh, opposed it. So that they disagreed that he should have been detained for so long and convicted of no crime, which is quite low. But I don't know. I don't know if you spoke to like any of your Japanese friends or coworkers about what what they think about the case. It comes up at work, and uh, to be honest, nobody was ever really thinking like he did too much of anything wrong. I think just like Gon says, like I think most people realize how ridiculous it is. Um, but uh, I think in the end, Japanese people are probably going to support. Uh, this whole like protecting one of their main and best brands, Nissan. I mean, that's mm. what people keep saying in this whole thing. Nissan, the actual words Nissan means Japan industry, and uh, Nissan's like one of the well, used to be one of the most best performing uh, Japanese brands out there. Obviously, Gon talked about this as well, but both Renault and Nissan, that whole uh, that whole um, um, what's it called partnership. Yeah, has uh, suffered. Yeah, partnership has suffered greatly after. I mean, the stock of both companies has dropped like thirty percent. They're selling like both brands are selling like half a million cars less than they were. Yeah, and you going, got Nissan, right? You got next trial, haven't you? Yeah, I was going to talk about that because when this whole thing started, I was I was thinking about selling it. Uh, <laughs> I was I was very passionate about being on Team Gone, uh, yeah. not because like I want to support a criminal or anything, but just because of how he was being treated, and uh, I thought something had to do with. Well. Yeah. Well, that, and I think, you know, it has, some of it had to do with being a foreigner as well, you know. Um, but uh, I ended up deciding that I was going to keep it because I purchased it during the Gone era. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Nice car, man. I like it. Yeah. yeah, well, it's a good, definitely a good car for the winter, especially and stuff. Um, what was I saying before that? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the consortium of Nissan and other Renault. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and he's been trying to say that the reason that it's suffering, I mean, he's trying to say, you know, now that he's out of the picture, they're doing a lot worse than they were. Uh, he had another great quote, they missed the unmissable in, in trying to form a, uh, to bring fiat into their alliance. Um, but actually, a lot of the, their problems, uh, financially and performance problems, started uh, while he was still in his position, uh, especially in the U.S., and some of it said that it had to do actually with his approach to business and stuff. So, um, but anyways, uh, yeah, the uh, performance has gone down. But nonetheless, I think people want to in Japan they want to uh, protect Nissan as one of their own brands. And I and I can understand that you know like that happens yeah. in any country. Those that, those countries want to protect their their strongest companies. But but I'll tell you this, man, just to like like to sacrifice just the health of the company just to avoid like having to get too close or work too close with an overseas brand um, like this situation. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy it's like, the, the, yeah. the, the measures they take just to keep that, I don't know, almost like a, their reputation or something. They just want to keep it close to home, you know, instead of improving it, making it better, Yeah, which, and it, uh, which seems quite ja a Japanese thing to do. Yeah, like self-sacrifice basically, like yeah, big yeah. time. I mean, you know, they're cutting like 12,000 jobs or more. So, like, 
because of how bad things are getting and i mean is this all like was it worth it you know was it not worth it i think those are some of the questions but i'm especially looking forward to what's going to happen going forward because i think you know building up to his press conference a lot of people were looking forward to him talk about a his escape and b like name these names of government officials who were tied into this whole like uh you know scheme to to oust him from power and uh, in the end, he didn't actually give up any names because he was saying that, uh, you know, the, because of the uh, relationship between Lebanon and Japan, he didn't want to create undue stress for, for Lebanon by by naming these names of Japanese government officials. But to be honest, I think it has something to do with his whole plan of uh, that he's plotting to actually go after some of these people in a bigger way. He's already filed a suit against Le- Nissan in, in Europe for like 50 million euro for uh, the way he was uh, ousted from his position as CEO of Renault, uh, of Renault. But I think he's got some other big things that he's working on to go out after some of these government officials. And he, he just kind of wants those people to wonder if they're if they're on his hit list or not, you know, <laughs> and put him in a little bit of fear or something. Yeah. So, Did you, did I mean, you watch the, the news conference? I did. I stayed up and watched it. And uh, I mean, I was disappointed. He didn't actually, in my opinion, bring up anything new. And, and some of the he tried to like, did you watch it? No, I heard about it though, and and one one person, uh, he's a former economic advisor for Shinzo Abe. He just says Gon's talk was boring. <laughs> That's what he said in 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 a tweet about a news conference. <laughs> well, the thing is, he he's actually like really, you know, he's a great presenter, and that's what he was kind of known for. I mean, he's very much into himself. Uh, so it was actually kind of pretty theatrical and interesting to watch. But, I mean, there was a lot of weak points to it. Like, he um, kept trying to put up these, like, documents to show, like, how he was innocent and, and some of these allegations against him. But, like, you, nobody could read what was actually being put up because of the way that they were being projected onto the wall. Oh, right. And uh, he said he was going to eventually make all this uh, paperwork available to people. I don't know if he's actually done that yet. And, again, he didn't do what a lot of people were thinking he may do which was name some of these names of these uh, Japanese government officials and stuff so but it was still interesting it was interesting for him to finally get his chance to to be dramatic about his feelings on being mistreated and everything but but I mean yeah it's kind of right now at a situation where it's like what's going to happen next is he actually going to go after and he's still saying like uh you know he's willing to go on trial in Lebanon again, mm. or anywhere else, just as long as he feels like he can, he can get a fair trial. But 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 the case has pretty much been dropped, right? In in Japan, like he's not gonna face charges, or or his charges have been been dropped because he's not gonna come back. Yeah, well, the, I don't know if they've officially dropped them against him yet, but yeah, unless they can extradite him, then the, I mean, last week I think uh, half of his legal team or something quit the case because they basically see that like yeah, nothing's going to move forward, mm-hmm. uh, and just like you said, Greg Kelly is going to face charges or his portion of the charges for everything that's come up, and they did fire uh, or. Some of these Japanese executives that they say have been similarly uh, not properly reporting their income, but in their case, it was only like hundreds of thousands of dollars. They've all said that they've got to return the money and uh, they're going to, uh, I, I think that a lot of them have been fired as well. But, uh, but so yeah, the case in itself might actually go nowhere now, but I think this whole uh, scrutiny of the J- Japanese justice system and everything is going to continue. Yeah, and, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, and hopefully yeah. there'll be some changes and some reforms in the near future, because it just seems like everyone is, I mean, I guess the thing about the justice system is everyone is terrified of committing a crime, 
which I guess is is a good thing because you, you know I, I remember hearing of one time this uh, I'm not sure if uh, we 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 spoke about it a while ago but there was one guy in Sapporo um, and he was like a salary man and he was out one night in Saskino. And then he got into kind of a bit of a scuffle with a bunch of these kids, like young kids. And basically he he let them, you know, beat him up. Like he didn't fight back because he knew if he fought back, he might be charged with some kind of assault or something. And then he would like get arrested, probably lose his job. Because um, once you get arrested and you get detained, you probably will lose your job because you can't go to work for probably three weeks or something. And so, yeah, so he decided that he would rather get beaten up you know, because of that, because he didn't, because he was so afraid to be arrested, he'd just rather get the crap kicked out of him by a bunch of kids instead of defend himself. Yeah, so. I guess in that sense, if the justice system is de- is deterring people from committing crimes and is serving its purpose, but again, like once people are arrested, they should have a certain level of rights uh, as a suspect, and uh, you know, maybe in a lot of these cases, when people are innocent, actually, and they're just completely being mistreated, or you know, going through all this interrogation uh, that isn't considered, you know, up to standards internationally, then you know, people shouldn't be subjected to that. So hopefully, there will be some reforms in in that way going forward. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, I think uh, I think we've spoke for quite a quite a long time, actually. <laughs> yeah, longer than I thought we would be able to, to be honest. It was, yeah, this yeah. has been pretty good, man. Hopefully, this because uh, again, I think the quality is is good, so I hope it turns out well for people. Uh, we'll be giving more details about how they can check this out on yeah. YouTube. Yeah, and then yeah, we've got a YouTube page. We've had a YouTube page for a while, but we haven't actually posted any videos yet. This is our first, this is going to be our first one, yeah. and uh, the first of many. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to keep doing this through uh, I don't know some some other video means some other some other media but it's, we're definitely going to keep posting regular uh, videos of our discussions and interviews onto YouTube so yeah keep in touch everyone and if you want to support the podcast uh, you can click on the donation link as always in the description and also another way if you want to support us you can you know leave us a review on iTunes especially iTunes or Apple Podcasts because if you leave a review and a rating five star rating hopefully um, you know it, it helps people who are unsure if they're going to listen to the podcast they can read a review and it will you know help them to decide and also it probably bumps up our podcast in the rankings having good reviews and then more people can find us so that's a that's a good way of supporting us too and that'll really help us out yeah please do everyone we definitely appreciate it all right uh see everyone catch you next time and uh, all right. catch you next time as well Bert. yeah you too man i'm looking forward to doing another uh, recording together in the same location <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool right. take it easy all right man see you, see you next time